Welcome back, everyone, to Articast number 95. Um, this is actually the second time trying. I said a bit of an issue with my internet. don't know what happened. But anyway, here we are. It's working now. Um, yeah, quite exciting being at level 95. Fairly flying through podcasts. I think only a couple of years ago we started almost at that 100. And as I said in the last episode, we have a bit of an announcement coming on the 100th ep. Uh, I am not going to give you any more clues than you already have. You're going to have to go back to R2Cast number 94 to find the clue I have given you. Um, 94, obviously, with Holly Thompson, who was the creator of In The Country magazine, which you probably have heard of if you're on Instagram and the ag space here and there, or the, or the sort of rural space, I should say. Um, it was really cool to talk to her about that. And the country has now finished, uh, but she has some exciting things coming up that she was talking about, which was really cool to hear. 96. So the next episode after today's is going to be with Reese Jones. Reese has started a PT business, sort of based over Instagram or uh, called Cattle Strength. Um, so yeah, sort of looking at a, a, a quite what would you say out there diversification, if you will. So that that was a cool cool episode coming there. Um, but today we have an episode that could maybe let's say, uh, claim you back some money from the government. So you're probably already listening, thinking, oh, what, what, can, I, what can I do here? Can I get some more cash into the business? Um, and I'm not going to try and say the fancy terms and the fancy things that are involved, because I'll just hugely embarrass myself. I'm going to pass that on to today's guest. But before that, Dorfin, would you like to say hello? <clears throat> uh, yeah. Hi, Wallace. Thanks very much for having me. Apologies in advance that I'm not going to be nearly as interesting as your guest before or guest after. But, you know, hopefully it's some value to some of you listening, so I'll, I'll do my best. Just before we get started with another episode of the R2Cast, I would like to thank our primary sponsors, A-Plan Rural. A-Plan Rural are heavily involved on the social media scene in the ag space with 120,000 followers on Instagram. They use this following to host social media takeovers with farmers throughout the country to showcase their stories. They also post to their rural community blog with further stories about these people in the industry. On top of this, they like to support initiatives that are championing the British agricultural industry, such as myself. So thank you to Aplan Rural for that. I um, I highly doubt that that's not a case. I'm sure it'll be very interesting. And I'm sure if people are listening and thinking they can they can make a bit of cash, uh, well, that's going to keep them interested in itself, isn't it? But before we get into that, Dorf, uh, and I always sort of like to hear about people's stories and who they are and, and, and what, what's led them to where they are. Could you tell us a bit about what, what a younger you was doing? What what was the intentions and what did you see what did you see happening in the future? <laughs> I mean, that is a question I'm not prepared for at all, but uh, I'll do my best. I mean, my career-wise has jumped all over the place and I have landed in R&D after just finding myself very closely aligned with it. I was, I was running businesses for 10, 12 years before I ended up doing this and uh, within... Uh, at least one of those businesses, there was, there was a, a fairly big R&D claim to make. So I had to learn about all of that. And that's how I've ended up here. But, um, you know, aside of that, it's um, I'm, I'm a London boy that moved to Norfolk, uh, discovered the rural ways and, and very much better for it. Uh, and again, uh, along with my experience with the R&D scheme, that's sort of why I've ended up where I have in, in terms of specialising in agriculture because I live out here. These are the people you sort of see and work with every day and, and, the, and the two worlds collided to, 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 to leave me where I am. 
And where you are today is, is sort of based in agriculture. Was that the first sort of time you came into this sector? Uh, no, I'd been doing I'd been doing R and D claims before that. You know, our our claims were were more to do with engineering. Um, but you know, as we'll cover, the R and D scheme is is not industry specific. It, it can be within any industry across the board. I just came to agriculture because in moving out here and knowing a couple of um, farmers out in the area, ended up doing some work with a couple of them. And the more work I did, the more I realised. This was something that applied to a lot of people and it's a hugely underutilized scheme. And, and, and in an industry, you know, farming and agriculture is not exactly um, in a good way at the moment. Financially speaking, there seems to be a lot of support missing. Prices are going up. There's, there's a, there's a, it's a difficult landscape at the moment. So the more, the worse it gets for farming, the more, people tended to find their way to me because this is a, a relatively unknown source of funding. So, and, and you know, you mentioned this sort of unknown source of funding. I have no idea what it was until we, you got in touch. And it was really interesting to hear that because um, you're talking about funding streams, you know, we're, we're moving into a complete period of uncertainty regarding subsidy. You know, what, what, what are we getting next is, is, is the UK going to support the rural sector like EU did? I am someone that struggles to see, one, how they could, and two, if they could, why, uh, sorry, how high on the, the sort of priorities list that is. So finding alternative income streams, whether that's savings, extra income, whatever, is, is an important thing for farmers. And when we're talking about R&D, we're talking about research and development, but what, what does that mean? Where, where can money come from that perspective, when, when you're talking about this scheme, tax relief scheme, tell 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 the viewers and, and tell me uh, what that actually means. Okay, I mean that's a big question. <laughs> I, I assume it is. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll do my best to pick it apart. Um, basically, it's a it's a government scheme. So where you hear politicians, and you know, I'll try not to get into politics, but um, where you hear politicians saying things like. You know, we're leveling up the economy. We're helping innovation in Britain. We're growing, you know, small, medium-sized businesses, all the rest of that. A lot of that boils down to, okay, great, that sounds good as a soundbite. How are you doing that? And the R&D scheme is probably the main way that governments get to do that. So it's a, it's a scheme that awards companies, as I said, in any sector for trying to seek advances in an area of science or technology. And that already sounds like, yeah, okay, great. If you're a rocket scientist, you've been working in a lab, you're creating the newest form of cancer treatment or whatever. Great. That applies to you. But actually when you pick and you go through the legislation, you discover just how many different people, how many different businesses this applies to you know, any sort of advance being sought is potentially qualifying. And that, and that being sought bit is really important because it doesn't need to be successful. It just needs to be sought. You need to be working on trying to do something. And if it doesn't work, if you fail along the way, you can still just, you know, just as readily as someone who's, who's succeeded. So you might have noticed uh, the screens maybe jumped a little bit there. I apologise. I randomly just had a coughing fit, <coughs> so I've edited that out. Um, 
No one wants to hear that. Uh, Doug was just saying there that, you know, um, it doesn't have to be successful. So that's that's an interesting thing. So are you <clears throat> are you able to free up money? That's maybe the wrong term. And tell me if it is to to just look at changing something for your business, whether that's, <clears throat> you know, technical based or um, looking at, it, you know, utilizing science or whatever here and there and even if that isn't actually going to better the business you're still able to source that money is that what you kind of mean yes potentially and i use that word quite a lot because there's you know there's always a subjectivity to r&d claims it's a judgment call every time a judgment call that you might make yourself a judgment call that i might make sitting in my seat or you know my equivalent in, 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 you know, a different part of the country, the judgment call at HMRC as well. And there's all sorts of guidelines and legislation governing, you know, what is and what isn't R&D. But there's also a lot of subject to subjectivity to it. So there is a judgment call to be made. So, you know, when you ask a question like that, the answer is, it depends. In, in a lot of situations, yes. In some situations, no. So I'm going to ask you a question following up on that. <coughs> what is R&D then? What classes has it? All right. Now that is a good question. It's another big question, but let, let's, let's sort of start at the top. So R&D is, um, I mean, it stands for research and development. So, you know, that, that can involve an awful lot of things. It can involve academic research, finding out what the existing state of play the benchmark in your industry might be for for anything for a, for a product that you're producing for a process that is you know is part of your business or a service that you provide um r d for tax purposes is slightly different um and i won't go into too much detail on that because it would bore you to tears but effectively r d for tax purposes is the seeking of an advance in an area of science or technology where there is a significant amount of scientific or technological uncertainty and you utilise competent professionals in their relevant industry to overcome those uncertainties. And, <laughs> you, uh, and the solutions to those uncertainties are not publicly available or readily deducible by a competent professional which is a lot of words, and you probably want that broken down somehow. Well, I was going to say, that, that second part is interesting, you know, not publicly available, but what, what I was going to say, you said you probably want that broken down, you would be correct. What, could you give us, <clears throat> I guess, an example that might yes. make it a bit easier to understand? Yeah, okay, so what all of that means, you know, it, it's, it's a, really, a really good way of explaining this, is just in a couple of sort of case studies and examples. So... For example, you have got the people who are doing textbook R&D that you know, might well exist in a lab or somewhere like that, where they're looking at, you know, for example, trying to improve the efficacy of a cancer drug. They have a hypothesis. They go and you know, formulate some chemicals, whatever they do. They, they test them on various tissues, possibly animals, maybe humans. They work out whether it works or not. Then they go back to the drawing board if it doesn't work. They, and they, and they, they come out eventually with an answer to the question they were looking to, <coughs> the, the, the advance they were looking to seek. Maybe it's a no. Maybe they do, you know, two years worth of trials. And actually at the end, they've produced this amazing drug. But 
it has, you know, it, it, it destroys you from the inside and ends up being worse than cancer itself. So that whole bit of research is a write-off. They can't do anything with it. The, the, the science goes no further, but they could still make a claim because they were attempting to make these advancements. The, the, you know, there was nothing out there to suggest that this particular advancement was or was not going to be successful. You know, other person who's, who's working in cancer treatments had no idea whether the work they were going to do was going to be successful or not. If someone's already done it a thousand times and another scientist could come along and say, look, that's not going to work because look here, there's, there's this test case study over there where they were trying pretty much exactly the same thing. It didn't work. If someone was to then go on and, and do the same work, get the same result, then they might not have an R&D claim because you could say that actually in the public domain, there's another industry professional who knows all this stuff. What you're doing has been done before, doesn't count. In a, in a more sort of, in a more relevant example, for, for, for our audience, for, for an agricultural business, you might find that you're looking at soil quality. For example, you know, it's quite well documented that the UK has got an issue with soil quality in, in some in significant parts of the country because our intensive farming pro, uh, process has, has damaged the soil quality over how many, however many hundreds of years. And Michael Gove made a big speech in 2018 where he talked about there only being 30 to 40 harvests left before all of the good stuff in our soil is gone. And you're not going to get a huge, huge amount more out of it. So a farmer who is actively trying to restore the quality of his soil uh, and, in, and in doing it, doing it in a way that is measurable. So, you know, might, might be taking soil samples for their level of organic content, might just be measuring earthworms, might be compaction, something along those lines. They don't know what the result of their actions are going to be. They've got an idea. They also don't know if that increase in organic matter that they might be able to generate over 10 years, for example, is actually going to have any effect on the farming whatsoever. You know, most farmers would, would like to think that if they do something positive to the soil, eventually you're going to get an improvement in yield with a drop in synthetic nitrogen being applied, for example. Um, but it's, it's uncertain and it takes such a long time in, in the farming world because, you know, you only get 40, 45 tries at doing something in your life. You might start farming at 20. There you go. That's 45 attempts because each one you do once a year. And, and from what Michael Gove said, someone who is 20 starting at the minute, they'll be approaching the end of what we have. Now, I don't know how much, how true I believe that is, but. Um, I know that was said, <coughs> but it's, it's an interesting point. I think to look at it, I'm just trying to make it make sense because I know I'm getting bits. So the questions I'm asking are basically the parts I'm not understanding and assuming yeah. that they're the same. So let, let's take the soil example. Let's say there's someone listening out there um, thinking, well, I'm in that exact position. Nitrogen's went through the roof. <coughs> I know it's came down slightly lately, um, but we never know what's going to be next. Are we able to sort of continue in producing a product, whether that's grass or, or crops, at the same yield we have been without nitrogen 
or at least somewhat close look into the soil as that thing to do. What what would what would be next for them? Let's say they're looking at, at looking at trying to free up some money here to, to try and to, to put towards research and development. Um, what would be their next move? I would just like to quickly interrupt the show for a minute to give you some extra information on our primary sponsors, Aplan Rural. Aplan offer bespoke cover for farms and estates the UK over, and will give you tailored insurance for anything on the farm from your old workhorse tractor that's been around 20 years or a fancy new and exciting diversification well i'd say the first thing to do is um, <coughs> we've actually got like a, a sort of survey that you can take it takes about two or three minutes um i think there's a link in the podcast description somewhere there will be yeah there will be that's that's your best way because i mean as i said there's there's it depends answers to so many questions and yeah, maybe this, maybe that. Um, the only way that you're going to get a, a, a definitive answer about whether you're doing R&D is answering a bunch of questions on a survey and, and you know, someone like, it might be myself, might be one of my colleagues, takes your answers, had a look and then, you know, gets in contact and says, okay, talk me through this. Let me know what you're doing. Let me know, you know, what kind of work you've been undertaking, how it's gone and, uh, and you get an answer that way. But, um, you know, for, for, for today, the things that you might do, it, it's all going back to those original qualifying criteria for R&D. So if you've done a bit of work that you think, you know what, that was really, it's, it's technically, scientifically quite difficult. I don't know what the outcome's going to be. Um, it's a measurable thing that I'm trying to improve. Um, and I've got an idea for, for what I want to do, how I want to do it, but I don't know how it's going to go. You go back to, is there an advance you're seeking? So let's say it is crop yield. I mean, that's a really good advance. Being able to grow, you know, extra tonnage of wheat, for example, out of a hectare. That's a really great advance. No one at HMRC is going to argue that an improvement in fruit production is a big tick. You know, with security down the, you know, nationwide food security being an issue, with you know, the the war being an issue with 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 the imports of, of of wheat, for example. You know, I think the prices shot up over here because there was so little coming. You know, with the subsidies all being cut out, farmers are going to need all the help they can get. So, if you can improve yield, that's good for the farmers, it's good for the industry, good for the consumer, good yeah. for the industry. Well, it. That's interesting because I was wondering sort of how, because <clears throat> we're talking about, you know, at the end of the day, farmers producing food, you know, we've got to consider it as a business. But I was wondering if there was a, not a social side, but like a, <clears throat> like like what you're saying, does increasing sort of food security, does that does that play in their favour? So that's interesting to hear. Is there like a, a more than business and research and development benefit side to it? There's almost like a global benefit or national benefit, if you will. Yeah, I mean, so another example, a really good example for the industry is, um, you know, going net zero. It's it's sustainability, it's eco ecology, all of those things. You know, again, everyone knows that the, the farming process has always been quite intense and it's got a few issues with it. Things like nitrogen leaching, um, you know, because in the current economic climate, the safest thing a farmer can do to get a decent yield is get a load of synthetic nitrogen onto their crop 
you know, it goes directly into the crop. You know, generally speaking, that isn't uptake <coughs> the soil in the same way that organic um, fertilizer would be. So it, it's, and you know, once you start getting below a certain level of nitrogen per hectare, your yield just drops off a cliff. You know, any farmer that's experimented with levels of synthetic nitrogen on a crop will have experienced this, that, you know, you get 80% of what you're going to get with the first 100 kilos, I think it is. That's right, yeah, that's right. Um, and then <coughs> and beyond that, it's just incremental. Even though nitrogen's gone up quite a lot in cost, the if, if, you're, if you're too frugal with your nitrogen, your yield takes a massive hit. And no farmer can afford a massive hit on their yield at the moment, which means that the answer is generally excess nitrogen and excess nitrogen causes problems in the waterways and all the rest of that. So there's, there's a, so back to your question, there is a really good angle for sustainability at the moment. So even if it is just excess, <coughs> your farming process is doing more or less the same thing, but you're finding a way of doing it in a more, sustainable way in this big drive towards net zero that is an advance it's a measurable scientific advance if you can say look we're using <coughs> per hectare you know we're emitting less co2 in our practices we've reduced the amount of machinery usage because we've done something clever then all of those are scientific advances in your farming process so that ticks that first box I'm trying to sort of think, um, I know quite a lot of my listeners are livestock based, I'm trying to sort of think of examples that would come in and that side of things, would that be like, you know, using for example, true test readers uh, to to increase efficiency over the course of, of, a, of a production year, would, would that count because um, it's already a product or would that not count? That's a, that's a good question, that's a really good question and we come across this a lot in, in the R&D world. Um, Basically, if somebody is using a product the way it was intended and getting a fairly predictable result, that's not R&D. Okay. You know, for example, there's a, there's a, there's a big conversation about variety trials. <coughs> might be trialing one variety of wheat over another. Um, now, the, 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 the producer of that seed might be saying, look, this, this is going to do way better than Zayat or Graham or whatever you're, you're growing against. It, try, try this out. It'll be fantastic. And you go, okay, well, I might get 15% you know, better yield on this with this particular variety. You try it and it absolutely bombs. You know, you've got an argument that there is R&D there on the other, because it's, because it's quite an active process. But for something that's a little bit more of a passive process, like... I don't know if you know about CIPC getting banned not too long ago. Yeah, I don't know much about it, but so it's um, about it. Okay. Yeah. So it's it, it, <coughs> predominantly used for storage of, of of vegetables, particularly potatoes. So people use CIPC to stop them from sprouting when they're in storage, and it got banned a couple of years ago. And people have been looking for all sorts of alternatives to CIPC, including things like mint oil, and um, there was another product that was released and right now that I need it, I can't remember what it was called. It was an acronym, it was a three-letter acronym. Yes, something or other. Anyway, that got used and it destroyed a certain variety of potato. Okay. 
it's not R&D because all they did was apply it to the potatoes that went in storage and watch them just disintegrate. So, you know, got sold for animal feed or whatever. So, you know, they might've made 5% what they would have made on the market potatoes, but that is not R&D because it's not an active process. It's literally just sticking one chemical on instead of a different one. And it went wrong. Had they done that and measured the, I'm guessing this is a storage so that the potatoes don't rot, they, they have a longer time in storage, that's what it's been used for. Had they measured the duration they stayed in storage at an acceptable level, would that then be handy? Probably not, because it would be an existing, it would be <clears throat> publicly available. Got that. So again, you, you know, you, you, all of the questions that you or any listener has in their mind, if you go back to those first couple of criteria that I said in one long <laughs> raid, those are the things to, to, to test against in your mind. So is there a scientific or technological advance mm -hmm. of sort? That's the first one. Is there significant uncertainty, scientific or technological uncertainty? Is there a readily deducible solution or a publicly available solution to it? Uh, uh, what, what did you did you use competent professionals in undertaking the work in looking to seek that advance? So, just going back to that question you asked me about, you know, using a uh, with your, your your dairy farmers using a certain a tool to measure something. If that tool is doing what it's supposed to do, then them using it is not R&D. It could be that they have, they're looking at a, a new process to, I don't know, improve the gut health of their herd or something like that. So they're modifying the feed that they're, that they're giving their, their, their herd at, at same time they're they're doing this they're doing that they're they're testing <coughs> maybe they're using something like that to be able to give them a readout on whether what they've done has been successful or not so that's fine and any time they have spent using that product in order to give them the answer they're looking for would be qualifying time but just using the product probably wouldn't be on its own that makes sense that makes sense um, so let's say, <clears throat> let's say someone's done this um, the survey, and it seems like they are they are um, eligible. What's the next step? Next step is so we we would then have a conversation. So we'd work out right what is what is your R and D or what what is the work you've done that you think would be R and D. Uh, one important thing to mention at this point is you go back up to two years. This is a retrospective activity. Ooh an R&D claim. So you're looking at this from a completed financial year perspective. So you go, okay, I've done my accounts. They're all submitters, all the rest of that. Then you have a look at it and you go, right, what was the work I was doing in that time? Did I do anything that I reckon might hit these criteria? If I did, how much did I spend on that work? You know, how much did I spend on staff? How much did I spend on 
subcontracted work? How much do I spend on inputs or other consumables, including things like diesel, by the way? Um, right. There's all sorts of qualifying costs. But you've got a lot of non-qualifying costs, but again, if we spent time talking about that, we'd probably be here for, for a while. Um, but you have a look at what you've, you've spent. You pull together those two things. So you pull together the qualifying expenditure and you say, right, this is what I've spent in that period, in that one financial period or two financial periods, however far you're looking back. This is the work that I've done. And uh, you've then got to you know, articulate what work you've done, how it hits the legislative criteria that HMRC require, um, and, and how the costs relate to that. Um, and that is a process that's not particularly easy. And that is why people like me exist, because this is what we do. This is all we do. We just do R&D claims. So, you know, we're very au fait with the process with HMRC. We know what we need to be doing. And it's one of the things, while I'm sitting here in my job, and, you know, this is, this is what I do day in, day out, you know, 52 weeks a year, in my previous life as a business owner, it would have been nice to have been able to do this all by myself without any help. The, the, the fact is, this is a complicated scheme. And whilst I'm probably doing a terrible <laughs> job of trying to make it sound a bit more simple and straightforward and explaining it, it's still complicated. And there's, there's no way around. You, I think the truth is that's why you're here. Yeah, that's, you know, yeah. that's why. That is that. Right here. You know, <clears throat> trying to write a technical report that hits all the criteria that HMRC need to hit it, speaking in the language that they want to be reading, yeah. making sure you're allocating qualifying expenditure only, excluding all non-qualifying expenditure, is so difficult from a business owner's perspective. You know, it's like trying to suddenly be a lawyer overnight. It, you know, just suddenly being a tax expert overnight doesn't happen. You'd spend months and months and months trying to work out what you're allowed to claim for, what you're not allowed to claim for, how you write it up, what HMRC want to see, what they don't want to see. Um, and, that, and, that, and that's the bit we do. So we do all of that heavy lifting. So we, we ascertain whether you've got a claim. We have a look at the numbers, you know, whether you've got HMRC for you, for your listeners. Um, we we write the tech report. We submit that at the same time. And so, is is it purely retrospective? Is there no sort of oh, I've got a plan to do this, or is it both? That is an excellent question. So it is. It's always a ret it's always a retrospective idea to actually do, but when you're proactive about making a claim you know you're going to be doing work that's going to involve an r&d claim in future you can do a much better job so the problem with retrospective claims if you know you know you might have someone who's listening now who thinks actually you know what i did do this stuff it was really complicated i was trying this you know whether or not it worked is, is largely irrelevant but um 
actually, that would be quite good. The problem with that is you then need to go back, you know, anything up to best part of three years and go, right, okay, what was I doing back then? What was, what was this cost for? How much of that was actually related to the R&D work versus something else? You know, how much of my diesel bill could I possibly allocate <coughs> versus farming as usual? So doing it retrospectively is the way you have to do it, you know, functionally. But if you're planning your R&D in advance, you can come up with a hypothesis that you want to test. You can make notes on how much time you've spent, how much time your staff have spent, what inputs are going in. You can be really accurate with your costs. And HMRC increasingly are wanting businesses to do this, to have a proactive plan about what they're, what they're intending to do and then running through it against that plan. You know, obviously the plan will change partway through the year, but, but that's fine as well. Um, HMRC don't, they, they accept it now, but they're going to accept it, you know, increasingly less going forward is, is retrospective estimations of your time and your expenditure and stuff. They much rather see really accurate allocation of costs, which are recorded, you know, justifiable, all the rest of that. That makes sense. In fairness. <coughs> that makes sense. Um, I'm going to ask the question that everyone listening is thinking. Um, how much money have people been able to claim? I hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the R2Cast with another really interesting guest. I would just like to quickly take another second to plug the sponsors of the show today, The Scottish Farmer, and I would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry. Yeah, another good question. Are you really knocking them out at the moment? Oh, thanks. I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, and this is it. It's, you know, when, I mean, I, I get far too carried away with the detail of all this. And I, oh, it's so nerdy these last couple of years, digging into the, you know, into the legislation, all the guidelines, thinking, oh, that's interesting. That's really cool. But then you forget, you know, about what, what, <laughs> you know, ordinary business owners <laughs> want to know. Um, short <clears throat> an average claim is worth a little over 50k per year which is which is a decent amount of money for most UK businesses you know given that often the profit levels of a farm in the UK are less than that that can effectively you know more than double your profit for a year if you're that size this I mean you know Depending on the size of the business, that, that number will be up or down. You know, I've got farming clients who've claimed 100K plus per year. I've got other farming clients who claim 15K per year. So it depends on the scale of the scale of the business, also the level of the R&D. You know, I've got client, one, uh, I don't know if you heard of Heathcote Farms. Yes. Um, I know your yeah. question is not well, that's annoying. Sorry? I know the person's name as well. Maybe shouldn't say it, but that's all right. Well, I mean, maybe he wouldn't want his name mentioned. But he, yeah. they are really, really interesting farm. They do loads and loads and loads of trials, <clears throat> and then they do this <clears throat> meet with local farmers and local growers, where they're able to showcase all the results in a much more significant way than you might get from you know sort of lab results of crop A versus crop B. You know, really controlled small scale trials. These are 
you know, this is this is what they've done over hectares and hectares and 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 dozens and dozens of trials. And they do all this as yeah, it's almost like a philanthropic exercise. Yeah. You know, they're they're growing all this stuff purely to see what works and what doesn't. And they're a really good candidate for R&D. And I was very surprised <clears throat> that they hadn't already made an R&D claim because they're such a textbook candidate for R&D. But it just goes to show how poorly understood this whole scheme is. You know, there was some <clears throat> survey done by the um, Federation of Small Businesses recently that said only 5% of eligible businesses are optimizing their tax relief, which is mind-blowing. That is, yeah. I mean, agricultural claims are less than 1% of the claims made in the UK. It's mostly software. But, you know, you speak to just about any farmer and they, they're doing different interesting things. You know, they, they're aware that they've got to get their sustainability creds in order. They're aware that organic matter in the soil has got to be improved. Otherwise, that you know, they're going to be cutting off their own nose in a couple of years. You know, they're aware that they've got all these all these restrictions with chemicals getting banned, you know, different processes getting banned. And they're sort of trying to figure out how you go about overcoming all this stuff at the same time as making a profit where, you know, input costs are massively up. The, uh, the prices, you know, we've got inflation that's out of control at the moment. So prices are getting hammered. Everyone wants to keep prices down to stop inflation from going up. And that, that sits with the farmer keeping his costs under control so that he can he doesn't have to charge it all on to the supermarkets whoever's selling his stuff so it's funny you mentioning uh, interest rates we're having a bit of a laugh on last week's podcast holly is kind of looking at buying a farm oh not a farm sorry a house and uh, she's like oh, i just can't afford it interest rates at the minute and i i felt a wee bit bad saying i got my flat at 1.58 percent so <laughs> i was winning on that one um you mentioned some people are claiming at 100k per year, some are at 10 to 15k per year. When you say per year, is that if you're carrying out these trials, you can continue to claim for as long as you do so? Or how, what do you yeah. mean? Yeah. So, short answer is yes, you can. Long answer is always go back to the qualifying criteria. Are you still seeking an advance? Is there still scientific uncertainty that you're trying to overcome? Is any of it readily deducible by a competent professional or has it become publicly available knowledge? As long as you continue to hit those criteria, you can continue to make a claim. And I mean, the, 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 the great and frustrating thing about agriculture and farming is that often these things take years and years and years. <clears throat> you know, you might, you might attempt to improve the organic matter in your soil this year, next year, your readout is going to be almost exactly the same. In 10 years, maybe you'll get, you'll get some measurable data. But that's fine. You're continuing to seek the advance. It just takes, you know, 10 years is 10 iterations, which in a lot of companies might take them a couple of months. In yeah. farming, it's ages because it's one harvest a year for whatever you're trying to do. That, that's sort of one extra thing that's maybe made sense to me in the last few minutes. I never realised this. Like, so... When I first heard about this, it more made sense to me that, oh, you might get a successful claim, grand, you get 10k, you get 100k, you get 50k, whatever. But there's actually sort of scope for you to almost generate income out of this. You know, a, a sort of, not a secure 
continuous income, but you can actually, if you're continuing to research, if you're continuing to look for advancements and look for, not strictly find, um, you can claim that money. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, the government, this, this scheme is not going anywhere. You know, a lot of clients I speak to are like, oh, oh, is it, is it suddenly going to disappear? You know, what do we do then? It's like, this is not going anywhere. You know, this has been around for 23 years already, you know, and it, it still blows my mind that not more people know about it because it's been going for that long. Now, other countries, in, even within the EU, have got much better R&D. You know, I say better, they're investing much more heavily in their own R&D, um, you know, sort of feedback economy than we are. But it's not going anywhere. This is, this is the one of the drivers to economic growth in this country. So, and even though uh, Jeremy Hunt recently reduced the level of uh, support in one small section of the scheme, he's also improved it elsewhere. There's talk of, of legislation in the future, which is actually going to be quite beneficial for it. The other thing is the corporation tax rate has just gone up. And given that the R&D scheme works on works against corporation tax when your corporation tax goes up the level of your r&d benefit goes up so going anywhere and you don't want to sort of be you know you don't game the system so you don't sort of try and shoehorn stuff into being a qualifying r&d project if it's not because an hmrc inspector would see right through it we wouldn't wouldn't work with uh, you know sort of uh, an R&D project that, that smelt a little bit iffy. But the positive thing to do, and the whole reason this, this scheme exists, is because the government wants businesses to, to be investing in R&D, in systems, in processes and products that are genuinely going to be improvements in their areas of scientific, science or technology. So if you're sitting there thinking, okay, you know, I, could, I, could, I don't think I'm doing anything at the moment, that, or have done in the last couple of years that could be R&D qualified. But actually, I've been thinking about one bit of information that, that encourages you to, to take that step. And that is what government wants out of it. Yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, it's, it's, all, it's in their best interest as well, especially looking at farming. Um, <laughs> so I came into this, Thorfinn, having no idea what we're talking about. And <laughs> you, you seem to have this idea that you weren't going to put it over. I think you put it over pretty well. Um, You're anyway, too kind. Yeah, well, no, I, I wouldn't say that if I didn't. Uh, I've had folk on that have sort of came on to promote a thing or, or a, a service or whatever, and <laughs> they've explained it. <laughs> but an hour in, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's not how this feels. It feels genuinely like a thing that probably some of my listeners will be able to take advantage of. Um, now, Dorfin mentioned throughout that, there'll be a link in the description, there will be. Uh, so click on that link, try that survey see what happens see if see if you are eligible um i don't know i'm not allowed to give out your details Emma. that's not how it goes once you do the survey will they get put onto you is that how it works yeah that would be good um i mean the other thing to say is you know that you might not if you're listening you might not think this applies to you but 
you might well know another business, another farmer. Another, you know, I mean, it could be any sector as well. It's not just farm. I know that's the context we're talking about today, but this applies to everything. You know, all the, the, the textbook businesses like software, pharmaceuticals, et cetera, but it's manufacturing, it's engineering, it's construction, it's, it's growing. It, it, any industry has potential to make an R&D claim, not just farming, as long as you hit those criteria. You're seeking an advance in science and technology. There's uncertainty in what you're doing. It's not readily deducible by a professional or, or in the public domain. So what about researching into utilisation of social media as a betterment for an industry as a whole? Because that's what I'm doing. <laughs> don't know if I'd be able to feel money that way. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe we have a call offline after this. But, um, you know... Oh, or you know what? Go ahead and fill out the form. Because, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, if if you can articulate an advance in an area of science or technology, there is there's there's reasonable scientific or technological uncertainty in what you're doing. There's measurable, you know, ways of testing whether what you're doing is 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 going to have an effect or not, and the the knowledge isn't already out there. There's there are a couple of restrictions. So, for example. You're looking at areas of applied science as opposed to um, theoretical science only, although the legislation may start to include theoretical science as well. So pure maths is going to be included in the next year. So things are changing and you just never know. Well, I mean, you know, if, if you're asking if I could articulate that, I can barely articulate my McDonald's order. So that's, <laughs> a, that's definitely where you come in. Um, but yeah, if you are listening and is of interest, uh, check out the survey, which I'll put the link to in the description. Whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever, that should all be there. If you follow me on R2K, whether that's Instagram, Facebook, well, I mean TikTok, I guess, but I'm, not, I'm probably not going to put it there. Uh, Instagram and Facebook, I will have the descriptions there as well when I post about having a chat with Thorfinn and also when I post about it coming out. Um but, well, first off, Thurston, is there anything we've missed regarding R&D? I mean, loads, but, you know, <laughs> we've only got as much time as we've got. I don't, I don't think, I think we've missed any. There's way more examples of, of other businesses that are doing R&D. There's, there's way more reasons why, you know, people have never heard of R&D, don't think it applies to them. They've got an accountant that has sort of put them off the idea or whatever. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of other stuff we could talk about, but I think, you know, we we've only got a certain amount of time, and your your listeners have only got so much patience. Well, I think I think all the information's there, isn't it? You know, if 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 it appeals to someone, they think they're going to be eligible, they can they can get in touch. Um, and for those that that don't think they're eligible, maybe just want to hear about it. We've probably we've probably covered everything that needs to be covered. Yeah. So yeah, um, I think um, I think there's a there's an option to book a call with me. Um, okay. As there's an option to take this survey. Then we'll, I'll, I'll put the link in the description to survey, which is what Candice has sent me. And I think there's also a, your contact details. I can't remember exactly how it works. Um, yeah, okay. We'll, I mean, you know, hopefully that can go in the, in the description on the podcast. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll put that in. Just the, the bottom line is, you know, if you're thinking about it, if you're wondering if this applies, just find out, you know, give us a shout, drop us a line, you know, do some more research if you like, but, you know, I'll be <clears> very I'm very happy to talk to anyone all day long about this, as you can probably tell. Uh, 
and you know there's no obligation or anything like that so my, my big my big objective is just to get the word out because i've been in the business owner's shoes i know what it's like to 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 struggle financially i know how much of a reprieve this was for me to find out that this existed it did apply and it was worth you know worth about 60 70 grand to me as a business for a year for about three or four years which was huge so getting this support to the businesses that need it is is what i'm all about there is however two questions that i ask everyone at the end of every podcast one of them is going to be quite interesting for you in fairness i don't know how you can answer it the first one is where do you see yourself in five years which i think is fine i think that's quite an easy question for everyone but the second one as if you had any tips for folk coming into your industry, what would they be? <laughs> All right, hold on. So I might ask, so five years, I very much hope I'm doing exactly what I'm doing now. And I know that's a really boring answer. No, it's not. This job, the, the job I'm in is great. I'll get to work with so many interesting people doing so many interesting things. They're so grateful that I've been able to bring this to them as well. The number of people mm-hmm. who you know, when I first started speaking to you, I thought you were some sort of wizard that, you know, this could possibly be true. You know, how is it that I've been going without 50K every year just because I didn't know about this? That's not, that's, that can't be true. And and then they, they see the benefit, they see the money land in their bank and they're like, okay, so you weren't just full of BS this entire time. I was like, no, this was real. This was true. This was a scheme. Um, aren't you glad you answered my call that first day? Um, so it's great. And, and this job is, it's, it's a great job. This, this scheme is fantastic. So, you know, I, I really hope I'm still doing this in five years time and, 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 you know, helping a lot more businesses. Your other question, what was it again? If you tips for folk coming into your industry, what would they be? And I'd say focus on your job. That'll be really interesting. As an, Someone else coming into the R&D industry? Yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> don't, don't do it if you are not committed to the detail. <clears throat> okay. If you are, a bit like me, a proper nerd who loves going through spreadsheets, digging through transaction history, chronicling everything, and doing a lot of hard work so that the person that you're trying to do it for doesn't have to. That's the bit that I enjoy, massively detail-oriented. And if you're not, don't touch this with a a barge pole because if HMRC start asking questions and you don't have the answers, it is not a good place to be. But if you are wanting to do this and that is your mindset, you're interested in, in, in helping small businesses, you're interested in helping people do innovative stuff, then, you know, get involved. Feel free to give me a call because, you know, I might be able to get your job. Oh, excellent. There we are. Job offer and everything. I, I do like the spreadsheet side, but I wouldn't like the rest, I'll be honest. Um, I think there's there's a reason people like you exist and it's very helpful. Uh, <laughs> making folk money and what more could you ask for? Um, but no, here, listen, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming on. Uh, it's okay. been an education. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, ap- apologies if any of that was unclear. I massively talk too much. But, uh, you know, you only get to go on a podcast every so often.
No, I mean, I think you hit the point's absolutely perfect. I won't have heard it too much. You probably heard the old cough here and there because it didn't really disappear straight away. I was lucky I had some lozenges sitting in my drawer from when I was ill a few weeks yeah. ago. So I was able to work through that and hopefully no one noticed. Um, no, thank you. Thank you very much for coming on, Dorf, and I appreciate your time. Um, for those of you listening, maybe there's some money that you could claim back there. What more What more could you want? Um, and I will obviously take some of the money. If you manage to get some, just uh, send me it via P- PayPal. That'd be great. Um, mm-hmm. No. Get in touch. Get in touch if uh, get in touch with Torfin if you think there's anything there. Uh, use the survey that is in the description, um, and uh, yeah, see if you can see if you can get something. Um, from our, what's coming next, next episode ninety six uh, will be with Reese Jones. As I said at the start, uh, talking about cattle strength. He became a PT and sort of uses Instagram to find clients, and it is uh, very much farm based as gym as well. So. I, I, I chat I'm quite looking forward to. I sort of started getting fit over the last six months. Uh, about we are this will be going out in April. So yeah, uh, eight months ago I went back to Dumfries, having been on Aaron for the summer, and um, decided to walk two or three k a day. I'm now walking about 13, 14 k every day uh, on top of just general life and trying to sort of trying to hit that two and a half marathons a week where possible. So. Um, yeah, fitness has been a big thing, looking at nutrition, looking at all that sort of thing. So looking forward to that chat with Reese, trying to learn some stuff myself. Um, and then, yeah, only three more episodes before the 100th. So all very exciting. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to what we have in store for the 100th. Um, the clue I gave you uh, in the last episode was, in fact, you have seen them on the podcast before. That is all I'm going to say. Um, quite, quite a, a, yeah, I'm not going to go into more in more away so yeah see you next week for episode 96 Dorfin thank you very much for your time it's been a pleasure you're welcome thanks for having me no thank you very much thank you and uh, yeah see you next week I hope you've enjoyed another excellent episode of the R2 cast I just want to take this moment to quickly thank our primary sponsors once more Aplan Rural if you follow Aplan on social media you'll see the work they're doing to really promote British farming and back our industry. It's been a pleasure working alongside Aplan Rural so far and long may it continue. The values of Aplan Rural runs perfectly in line with the whole mantra of Rural to Kitchen and I'm glad to have them on board. Check them out on Instagram at Aplan Rural and on Facebook at Aplan Rural Insurance. See you for the next podcast.